Wow, this is uh, this is pretty cool, yeah. No, wasn't it? Like, how did that feel to worship at AMC? Right? We we were we were praying um, before you guys came, and we're like, man, it's such a great opportunity. Uh, there's kind of like a message here, which is that you can worship God anywhere, right? Amen. Like. And, and everywhere is an opportunity to experience the presence of God. And so everyone doing well, you got popcorn. Is that coming around? Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so one really cool thing about today is that we got a whole mix of different generations here. Did you notice that? And so right away, we just want to be celebrating that and, um, I need a volunteer, uh, Jared, not the big one, the the, um, the little one. Uh, would you come up here? I need you to, to hold something for me that's really, really precious, okay? All right, now, now as he's coming up here, I want to kind of load it all up. Uh, you guys know we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, today is Palm Sunday, but we covered Palm Sunday several weeks. Hello, several weeks ago. You get you just stand there and just look at everyone. Okay, um, <laughs> this is what it's like to be. Yeah, there's Uncle Ernie. He's waving at you. Um, so uh, we're, but we're now in 26. Okay, and so we're going to cover a story from 26 that is really an amazing, amazing story. But first, I want to take you quickly through one of my favorite parables in Matthew 13 that's going to shed some light on 26, okay? Stay with me here. Are you with me? Jared's with me. All right. So one of my favorite parables in Matthew 13 is about this guy who's walking down a field and he stumbles onto something. Maybe most of you know this story. He finds this treasure that's hidden in this field. And he's like, oh, man. And now here's the thing. He's either, uh, the treasure's either too heavy or he's too honest to take it. And so what he does is he goes home and he's so filled with joy. And he starts just selling everything he's got. Just sell, sell, sell. And he gets all the money and then he buys the field. And then he gets the treasure, and he is so happy about this treasure. You, you remember the story. You remember the story. Okay. Well, now you know it, okay? Now, I, I, I have, now we, we did a lot of talk about like, okay, what is this treasure? What is this treasure? What is this treasure that's worth like giving everything? You know what I got right here in this box? No, not just, not just treasure. I have the treasure that this man found in the field. Do you believe me? <laughs> what? <laughs> Mimi was like, no. No, come on now. I'm a pastor. I wouldn't lie to you, right? This is the treasure that the man found. Now, that's why Jared's here. He's going to hold it. You know what I labeled this box? The precious. Okay, but that's a different reference. Okay. Notice it's a good precious, all right? All right, now, now what I want to do is just kind of load this up just by way of comparison. Now, this is really more for the, for the kids. Um, then I want to ask the youth. But first stop is just with the kids. Kids, I want you just to wave at me. Hello, kids. Okay, thank you, Gemma. There you go. There's Emmy. Okay, now I want to ask you something, okay? Remember this guy, so excited. 
went home, like, and he's selling all his stuff, his sell, sell, sell. Okay, now let's say you went home, kids. What's the most valuable thing you have at home, right? Now, why don't you turn to someone next to you and just run off a few ideas. And then if, I, if you're going to be uh, uh, brave, I want you to share it with the rest of the group, okay? What's the most valuable thing you got at home? Gemma, what are you, what are you, what are you sharing? My money. She's just laying it down. My, my cold, hard cash, you know? Okay, good, good. Okay, uh, yeah. Gabe. Oh, your money. Okay. Well, who has more money? Okay, no, we won't go there. Anyone else? Okay, my money. Just going straight to it. All right, anyone else? Emmy? Anyone else? Ryan, what about you? What's your most valuable thing you have at home? What is your precious? A book. <laughs> That's my son. Huh? That's my son. Yeah, reading the book, right? Okay. Right, but, but he reads on the platform is probably an iPad that he's using. Maybe he might think the iPad is his precious. Okay, okay. Now, here's the thing. I want to tell you guys that um, uh, uh, money, money, iPad book, what I got in this box is even more valuable. Do you believe me? Okay, still some no's. Now, I, I love to give this teaching with kids. And there was one time when I was in West Oakland, and I gave this teaching to a bunch of kids there. And I'm like, what's in this box? Is the most, you know, like, what's the most valuable thing you have in your house? And I had one kid say, you know, Xbox, that's expected, right? And then a bunch of oohs from the, and then another kid, you know, you know, swimming pool, and a bunch of, oh. Now, I had one kid in the back. He's like, oh, 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 oh. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you. He goes, Mom's better than everyone else's. I'm like, what is it? My mama. Now, you, 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 you may not appreciate what I did next. I was like, well, in the context of this parable, <laughs> what I got in this box is more precious than Xbox Wing Pool and your mama. Yeah, I said that. Now, here's the thing. Um, it's interesting because their eyes got really big, okay? And, and they're looking at the box. And I'm telling you, they got really big. They, these were not Asian kids. They got big eyes at this moment. I can say that. I can, okay. But it is true, right? Okay, so they're like, what's in that box? Okay, Jared, this is, this is the defining moment. You're going to open this box, and you're going to uh, just read what's, well, I'm giving it away. You're going to open this box. Sorry, I didn't mean to give it away. Open the box, and let's see what's inside. I put a special safety feature on it. No, I'm kidding. You just got to... You can do it, Jared. You're a smart guy. You ready? Here's the reveal. Yeah, hold it up. 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 Okay, now, now this moment when the reveal was there, I just want you to hold on to what went through your mind. Just I, honestly, like what went through whoo, what went through your mind, okay? And just hold on to that, okay? Jared, you did it. You were awesome. Thank you very much, um, little Jared. Thank you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it did not say your mama. Um, it said Jesus Christ. Okay, 
Now, it's interesting, like in West Oakland, I love telling this story to kids because, you know, kids will keep it real, right? Kids will keep it real. And so I was in West Oakland. I remember there was a kid like right over, over here, like where Karis is at. And when there was the reveal, the kid went, oh, man, like that. I'm not kidding you like that. And I was just looking at it. the kid like, really? Right? But, but some of you, in all honesty, when you saw the reveal, you're like, yeah, absolutely. There's something in there. Like, yes, right? Now, let me just ask you, for the people who look at that as the ultimate precious, what is it you, you see in Jesus that makes you go, yes? That's a bit of an aggressive yes. Not, I mean, but, but in your heart, it makes your heart sing. What is it about Jesus That's precious. Or let me put it like this way. What's the value of Jesus to you? Like, just be honest. What's the value of Jesus to you? Would you be like that man who went home and just sell, 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 so I can get more of this and what he brings? Or is it kind of like, I don't know, I'm not really all excited. You guys, when we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew, we've just really been talking about this. Is Jesus your precious? And if he is, what is it about him that you find so precious? And would you be willing to sell everything you have just so that you can have this in your life, Jesus Christ? What is the value of Jesus Christ to you? Now, I want to tell you the story of a woman today who was very much like this man and she found in Jesus her, her, her precious. She found in Jesus her treasure. And in, in a way, she kind of like gave up everything that she had because she felt that what she had in Jesus was her everything, was just worth going crazy for, you know? And it's interesting because in this context of the story, you got religious leaders, and they're looking at Jesus, and they don't really think he's that valuable. And it's interesting because you got disciples in this mix too, and they're looking at Jesus. Now, do they find Jesus valuable? Of course. But the woman, I think, has greater clarity than the disciples do. Now, it's interesting because in our world, like in the Bay Area, pretty much everyone has heard of the name of Jesus. But what is the value of Jesus in the Bay Area? And most people would say, not much. Well, let's hear from this woman. So uh, let's turn to Matthew 26. What is Jesus worth? Okay, we start in verse 6. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? This could have been sold for a large sum of money and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, whenever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, wow, what she has done 
will also be told in memory of her. Now, um, <clears throat> let me set this up a little bit. Uh, religious leaders are planning to catch and to kill Jesus. One disciple goes out and makes a deal with the devil, if you will, to sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Now, the other disciples are sitting around, you know, like during this meal, and I get the feeling that they are pretty much clueless, that they don't really know what's happening, even though Jesus has said several times that his life is coming to an end, but I don't think they really know. Maybe they thought he was just, it was a parable or something. I don't know. But they don't really know what's coming. They're gathered at Simon's house, and they're, they're having dinner. And after dinner, there is a woman. Now, we don't even know her name. Like, other, um, the other Gospels seem to suggest that it might be Mary, but in Matthew, she's unnamed. In fact, she doesn't even say a word. <laughs> but what she does speaks louder than what she could ever say. Now, I thought this would be kind of fun, kind of engaging. Um, maybe it would bring it uh, more to real life if we could do a little bit of acting this out. So uh, what I'd like to do is I'm going to choose an unnamed quiet woman, okay? Not that she's quiet, but in this role, she's going to be quiet, okay? So, um, so Caitlin, would you... Uh, would you be that woman? Okay, and then you can stand like right, right here, all right? Now, I just want you to imagine that Jesus is on the chair and there's the disciples, like Vicky and Diana, they're like where the disciples are about, okay? They've just had a meal and, and you're right here. Now, now, the woman comes and she has something in her hand. Um, okay, I just want you to put this behind your back, okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. It's precious, Okay. Um, now, I think we're missing one thing, right? We're missing a, a Jesus, and we kind of need someone for the role. And uh, I said hi to someone this morning. I was like, yeah, this person. St Steve Louie, would you be our, would you guys give him a hand and just encourage him? He needs a, no one's going to volunteer for that role, I realized. Like, oh, I want, you know, it's like, okay. And so we got to volunteer someone. Thank you, Steve. Um, I chose you, I think, because you're tall, and uh, no, other reasons too. Would you, would you, okay, so I just want you to imagine that you're with your, uh, your, your really good friends, and you've enjoyed a really good meal, right? Now, what they would do in that day is after the meal, even during the meal, they recline, and I know it's a small seat, but if you could just, you can just slouch a little bit, yeah, there you go, yeah, just take it easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think it was more on the side, but no, but that's good, that's good, you're, you're having an intimate moment with your good friends, okay? Maybe you've had a long day, okay? All right. All right, so now, <clears throat> all right, this next, this next part is very important. All right, uh, where am I? Okay, okay, so we got, we got the woman, and we have Jesus. We have the disciples around Jesus. Okay, so now Jesus has been talking about something that's about to happen. I thought this was actually really fitting. Did you guys come into the theater today and see what was at the, the, the lights? It's, it said Tomb Raider. I, that was not planned, but I thought that was kind of interesting given the theme, right? So, well, Jesus has made it very clear several times at least that is, life is coming to an end. So, really, he, he's, 
this is going somewhere and it's coming. Now, the disciples were there, but I'm not really sure they understood. Jesus often spoke in some mysteries. Um, but there was a woman, and I believe that she was very carefully listening. And I think she understood what the leaders and what the disciples didn't. She got it in her heart. And so what she does is uh, when Jesus and the disciples are finished, their meal, here is a woman and she comes and what she comes and you can, you can reveal this now. Okay. Now this is the precious. Okay. Now this is an alabaster jar. It's made of stone. Once you snap it at the top, it's, it's, um, it's, it's out. The fragrance comes out. Okay. Now I, I, Matthew wants you to know two things about this jar. Okay, as you want to come a little bit closer. Um, there, there you go. Okay, two things about this jar. Number one, the Jews were really into burial. It was a way of honoring their loved one who had died, right? And so in that really hot climate, bodies would decompose very quickly. And so what you want to do with dead bodies is you want to wash them, and the family members would all wash them, and then they would um, prepare them and rub spices and oil all over the body, and then they would wrap it around with cloth, Okay. So they were really, really conscientious about how they took care of their dead. And they would use ointments such as this, okay? Now, I think Matthew wants you to know this because he talked about how she is preparing his body for burial. She gets it, okay? What does she get exactly? We're going to talk about that later on. But she gets something that they don't get. Number one, it was used for burial. Number two is Matthew wants you to know something about this jar and that this jar is really expensive. Turn to someone next to you and say, really expensive. Now, look, when you're, look how short this story is, right? And he, he goes into this detail because it's important. This jar is really expensive. Now, you're wondering, like, how expensive well, if I were to put it in the modern context, we'd just, we'd just say we're like modern workers. Now, basically, this jar, if, if you're like in the Bay Area working hard, right? I don't know how much you make. I'm just going to throw out some random numbers. Maybe it's like 50000 Maybe it's like 100000 a year. I don't know. I don't Something like that. Just say 100000 okay? You work hard. $100,000 you get in a year. You put all that money. How many? You can buy how many jars? One of these jars for $100,000. Now, when we talk about precious, I mean, I, have you ever held $100,000 in your hand. Like, how would you hold it? You would hold it with both hands, you know? You would take it everywhere like this. $100,000 is a Tesla Roadster. I did some research. $100,000 is your own private island. Okay, some of you might really like this. $100,000 is your own personal chef on call for one year. Oh, I thought that one would do it. Okay, but you get the idea, okay? A hundred thought, okay. And she's holding this in her hands. Now, she is walking over to Jesus slowly. Okay. She's trembling. Okay. Now, what she's doing is not really a product of her hands. What she's doing is really a product of her heart, okay? Now, she comes to Jesus' side quietly. She releases the cap. She breaks the snap. She opens the top. Now, at this moment, I want you to imagine the disciples, everyone in the crowd, there is this pervasive odor, and it's, perm- and it's coming all the way towards And you're smelling, I don't, I don't know, it smells like rainbows and, and like roses, I guess. Something like, ooh, wow, right? 
You can smell it in the air, right? Thank you. Now she takes everything that's in this flask, in this jar that she broke open, and with everything in her heart, she pours it over the head of Jesus. (laughs) All of it. But Jesus, you're really honored, so you want to make that honored face. Let's do it. Oh, you have a phone? Do you want to give me your phone? How about my jacket, too? Oh, your jacket. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All of it. Oh, oh that's, a, that's a bit much. I poured a little bit too much. Okay. All right. Th- thank you, well, it stops out. Yeah, it's just, he's a great sport. But, but you guys are the disciples. You're watching this, okay? You want, what are you thinking? What are you thinking at this moment? I want you to think about this. A hundred thousand. I know what I would be thinking, all right? I am, I am a very cheap Chinese man, okay? I, I'm telling you, I'd be, you see this drop right? I'd be like, that's a hundred dollars right there, that drop, right? A hundred thousand. You broke it. Uh, what? You know, and that's what the disciples are thinking, right? Like, what a waste. Like, how many Bibles? You can, how many vaccines, life-changing surgery? Really? Is that what you want to do? Does this make any sense? Okay, a little bit of a mystery, okay? Uh, can we give uh, Steve a hand? Yeah, please. And Thank you. You were, you were fantastic. Can you, can you, yeah, you can go. Okay. <laughs> you can sit here the whole time, too. That's, thank you. I do. I do. I do. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you. All right, this is a little bit of a mystery. It, it, it kind of feels like, ah, uh, I don't know why. Why would Jesus, like... Now, now, what the disciples do is they shame the woman, right? They shame the woman. They go, what a waste! This could have been, blah, 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 right? I don't know, how would the woman feel if you hear someone going, what a waste. No, Jesus defends her. He said, no, 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 no. This is not a waste. What she did is a very beautiful thing. I mean, you can call it a beautiful waste. What she did is a very be- So the disciples shame and Jesus honors. And he says, no, she's prepared my body for burial. And what she's done will always be remembered. Wow. Now, but it is a little bit of a mystery. I mean, that's all, this, just admit it. It's kind of weird. It's like, what, does Jesus not think caring for the poor that important? Did Jesus care that much about the poor? Now, what I'd like you to do is turn to a neighbor right next to you, and I'd just like you to give your reasoning for why Jesus would defend this woman, okay? Because it is a little bit weird. Go ahead, turn next to you and and share. Like, why would Jesus defend this woman? And give your best shot at it. And I'm going to give my best shot after you share. Go ahead. All right, now, now let me try to give some sort of defense here. There is in no way is this in any sort of way to argue against care for the poor at all. Why? 
Because in just the last chapter that Pastor Calvin preached last Sunday, he talked about um, the sheep and the goats. And if you remember that, Jesus said in that teaching, whatever you have done for the least of these, my brothers, you have done for who? For me. So Jesus, like, I care about the poor so much that I identify with them. You do something for them, you do it for me. This is your sacred duty. Okay, so that's settled. There's, there's nothing against love for the poor. Jesus loves the poor, obviously. So then what, what's going on here? Well, the only way I can explain it is this. Loving the poor is our sacred duty, absolutely. But there's one thing that we can do that is even more sacred. Loving the poor is noble, it is awesome, is what we are called to do, but yes, 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 yes. But there is one thing, just one thing more, that's even more awesome, even more sacred, even more special, that is your most sacred opportunity. What is that? It's to cherish the Lord Jesus. It's to take the very best of whatever you have and say, Lord I'm giving it all to you for your glory. Now, this is really important because I think for some reason we get so caught up in just like serving Jesus and doing things for Jesus and volunteering for Jesus that we actually neglect just loving him, just enjoying him and just spending time with him. And that is our most sacred, sacred, sacred invitation in this life. You know, um, now it comes to this big question. I guess it's the question that I asked in the beginning. What does this woman see in Jesus? Why is it that a whole bunch of people are seeing the same person and one person says, you know, uh, I don't know if he means that much to me. And then this one woman is like, no, he is worth everything I have. Sells, breaks apart the most precious thing she owns and pours it all over. What, what does she see in Jesus? Now, I want to actually try to give you my best explanation. It's not comprehensive. But it's my best uh, attempt to explain what she sees in Jesus. You guys, I want you to think about this. Every major religious teacher in the world, their teaching and their life was where they made the greatest contribution. Have you ever thought of that? It's true of all the major religions and all their founders, except one. Jesus came and his major contribution was not in his life or teaching, but it was in his death. That's unique. That's different. Why was his death so important? Well, I think that's what this woman realized. This woman realized that Jesus came and Easter is coming right around the corner, but he came to die for our sins. Because every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and we've broken God's heart and we've rebelled against him. We haven't done the things that we should and all the things that we shouldn't do, we did. And we were facing judgment. I wonder if deep down in our hearts we know that we are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. 
And that's what this woman realized. Do we realize that? Do we see the worth of the Savior? Do we see that judgment and do we see him dying on the cross to take that judgment away and to face that judgment in our place? Do you see that? Is that worth celebrating to you? There was one time I was uh, having a parenting moment with my son. Maybe you've heard me tell this story before. And my son, and I'm not going to call out what he did, I think mostly because I don't really remember, but, but he did something really mean to his, to his younger brother. Right. And uh, I was trying to be a good parent. And so he was like right here. And I, you know what you do is you get on eye level. You get on eye level with him. Right. Um, and I said, Ryan, why did you do that? And he, he said, I, I don't know. And I said, but if you did know, what would you know? Because that's a Jedi mind trick. Right. You, you did know what you know. He looked at me and, I, and he went, because I'm evil inside. My son intuitively knows something that we know. That inside, we are broken. Inside, we need a Savior. We need redemption. We need forgiveness. We need His grace. I think she gets it. He has come to die in my place so that in His death, I have freedom. I have righteousness. I have a new heart. I have a new life. And He has come to die in my place. Who is this man? He is so amazing. He is worth my everything. Now, if you know that, if you understand that in your heart, then what do you think Jesus is worth? And here's this woman saying, no, 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 no. He is worth not my leftovers, not my scraps, not my change. He's worth my everything. Jesus, you're worth everything. Here's my most precious thing. I will gladly waste it all on you. And it's not a waste. She's preparing him for burial. But if I pour it out for you, my life is poured out for you for your glory. Oh, that's what I want to be. That's what I want. That's this woman. Wow. What is your best? What is your very best? Do you think it's worthy of Jesus? Maybe your very best is your time. Maybe your very best is your calendar. Maybe your very best is a possession like a Pokemon card, a video game. What would it look like for you to take your very best best, and say, Jesus, it's all yours. Use it for your glory. It's all for you. It's all about you. Is your very best your kids? Is your very best your career or your achievement? Maybe some of you might be thinking that your very best, honestly, is some kind of dark addiction. And you've been treating it like it's your precious. You guys um, ever heard of Nikki Toyama Sezo? You, you've heard of her name. I don't know if you heard of her story. She graduated from a college which shall not be named with a degree in mechanical engineering. And she took a job in an engineering firm. And, you know, she did well. In fact, in her own words, she's like, I, she did really well. She was on this team of engineers and they were making some new technology that was going to combat um, heart disease. And it was a pioneer in its field. And there was a company that wanted to buy it and take it to market. 
Now, here's the thing. Once you buy it and you take it to market, once it hits market, the engineers get a percentage of the profits, the royalties. And so this was a very exciting endeavor. This was all going to market. But during that same time, she was also considering a career change. In her heart, she felt like God was calling her to do something else. And the something else, it was with uh, college students. And it was, uh, you know, loving and fighting for the urban poor. And so she had a choice to make. So she went back to her boss and after she had sort of made a decision and one month after the decision, the deal came through and her royalties were estimated to be between one to three million dollars, one to three million dollars. But she already made a decision, sort of. And so she met with her boss and She's talking to her boss, and she goes, well, like, well, you know, I actually, I'm thinking about a career change. And her boss says, look, if you leave the company, I mean, the product hasn't really gone to market yet. If you're not going to get any of that royalty. One to three million dollars, you can basically kiss that goodbye. But if you stay for just one year, you get the royalty. No, Nikki, in her own, she said she agonized. She justified. She thought of, you know, as she was thinking, just one year, and then, you know, clinics and, you know, vaccines, and, you know, I can support all these missionaries. But then when she was honest with herself, she's like, you know, honestly, the only reason why I want to stay is because of the money. And last time I read my Bible, I think that's called a word that begins with the I. It's idolatry. And in her heart, she felt like God was saying, Go. Now, I'm just asking you, what would you do if you had the same decision to make? Whatever your precious is, if Jesus was calling you to crack open that precious and to give it to him. Nikki Toyama says, though, she took that $2 million, she cracked it open. And she poured it all over Jesus. She said, Jesus, my life is completely, ultimately yours. I will do whatever you say. In her testimony, she said, God owes me nothing. But in Christ, I have everything. Is Christ your everything? I was thinking a a cool way to kind of end this message I'm going to invite Caitlin up, Caitlin and the team up, is um, there's this old school song. I, I know that the people who are my age and older know it, and maybe younger people don't, but it's one of those heart songs. And it just sort of makes sense. I think there's an invitation there. Like, obviously, what's your precious? It's, it's, your, it's your heart. And really the question is, will you give Jesus Christ your heart? Will you say, God, my heart's divided, but I want to give you my heart. I want to give you all of me. That's my precious. And if you're like, yes, then maybe you can sing this song and just sing it from your heart. And as you sing it, you can say, God, my heart is yours. Let's all stand.
At this time, I'd like to also encourage you, if you um, feel led to go receive prayer, our prayer team is going to be in the very, very back, um, and they they really love to pray for you. I know this is a, it's like a unnatural thing, you know, or maybe we do believe that Jesus is everything, but then there's this gap, you know, it's like, how do we get there? Um, Jesus wants to know our struggles with that. He wants to work with us through that. And so um, please make your way to the back and receive prayer. to love you more and that we want to lift up our voices to you Lord um, thank you for accepting who we are right now presently um, and where we're at God allow us to um, see you differently today and tomorrow Lord um, allow you to be our precious Lord and um, thank you so much and in Jesus name we pray amen I'm going to take the uh, next minute 
and it really will be a short time. You, you guys can actually remain um, standing. <clears throat> I, I wonder if uh, there are some of you and there's an opportunity and there's a commitment that you want to make to the Lord in some way. And I'm just going to pause. And maybe it's moving towards this moment and the Holy Spirit. And you know what it is that God is calling you to commit to. And you're just going to listen to the Holy Spirit and decide. And if you do, you can just decide under your breath. There's just a holy moment. We just want to wrap up whatever God is doing if there is a commitment that you want to make, or even just to say, Lord, I don't know how to do this, but please have all of my heart. I'm giving it to you. Maybe that's the commitment. I'm just going to let you pray. Just seal it. It's between you and God. Lord, I'm just believing in faith that there are some people who are like, Lord, I want to give you all my heart, but I don't trust myself. Would you help me to live this life like this woman and to be completely sold out to you? Help me to have the courage to sell my very best and give to you and show me how to do that. And I just want to pray for you guys and just believing in faith that God will show you how and lead you forward and give you that new heart. And now I just want to pray for us and bless us. Father, I do pray for our church as we are preparing for Easter. I do pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can know you better. And you would open the eyes of our hearts so we can know the, the incredible inheritance, the incredible hope, the incredible power, the incredible love and joy that we have in Jesus and if we feel like it's valuable and blow our minds that we would know exactly like infinitely how infinitely valuable and supreme you really are. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus and God's church said, amen. God bless you.